Behold my servant whom I uphold, mine elect, in whom my soul delighteth. I have put my spirit upon him. He shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. He shall not cry, nor lift up, nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. A bruised reed shall he not break, and the smoking flax he shall not quench. He shall bring forth judgment into truth." Verse 4, he shall not fail nor be discouraged till he has set judgment in the earth 
and the isles shall wait for his law. Thus saith God the Lord, he that created the heavens and stretched them out, and he that spread forth the earth, that which cometh out of it, he that giveth breadth unto the people upon it, and spirit to them that walk therein. I, the Lord, have called thee in righteousness, and will hold thine hand, and will keep thee, and give thee for a covenant of the people, for a light of the Gentiles, to open the blind eyes, to bring out the prisoners from the prison, and them that sit in darkness out of the prison house. I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory I will not give to another, neither my praise to graven images. Now, this is a portion of prophecy allocated to Jesus Christ. And, and it is what he was walking in when he came to the earth. But there's a part of that that isn't just for him. Because part of his existence on earth, and remember he came to uh, purchase salvation for all whose names were written on the Lamb's book of life. So he came to do the Father's will. But if we wouldn't have been there first, he couldn't have come. But he came to purchase that. Now, there, there is such strong assurances about his coming here. Great promises. Often we will use the word and, or the devil will use the word against us. But we want to use the word against the devil. And remind him of God's promises. Let's go to verse 13. This is part of the same thing, the same train of thought. The Lord shall go forth as a mighty man. He shall stir up jealousy like a man of war. He shall cry, yea, he shall roar. He shall prevail against his enemies. I have a long time holding my peace. I have been still and refrained myself. Now I will cry like a travailing woman. I will destroy, destroy and devour at once. I will make waste mountains and hills and dry up all their herbs. And I will make rivers, islands, and will bring up the pools. Let's just read verse 16. And I will bring the blind in a way that they knew not. And I will lead them in the paths that they have not known. I will make darkness light before them and crooked things straight. These things I will do unto them and not forsake them. Thank God for his promise. Amen. Amen. Let's bow our heads this morning. And I'm sure there are needs. You hold them before the Lord. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word that we've read this morning. Thank you for the songs that we've We've sung, thank you for the specials, thank you for this gathering, for everyone that's here, 
Now, Lord, we want to come and give this service to you. We ask that you will be the inspiration. You will be the anointing. You will be the word, the instruction. You will lay in, O Lord, the things that will bring forth faith, that will bring forth life unto you. Father, in the midst of this dark world, we thank you that we have you, that we have your word. Come now, anoint us for service. Bless everyone present and those that are listening in. Bless those that are away. We give them all in your hands. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may have your seats. Now, in Isaiah, in, in verse 14, it says, I have a long time holding my peace. I have been still and refrained myself. Now I will cry like a travailing woman, I will destroy and devour at once. Now, Isaiah 42 as a whole, and we picked this up last week, part of this was fulfilled in Matthew chapter 4, where the Bible would say the, the regions of Zebulon and, and such, that they that were in darkness, and, and then as Jesus came by their coasts, and, and he showed this. The scripture said this was fulfilled because it said those that sat in the regions of darkness, light came upon them. So, so there was a fulfillment of that. Now also in this promise and, and associated with the coming of the Lord, there is this, this thought of it's been a long time lingering. And, and it, it, it is... It, it's, it seems like a promise is given, but it seems like it takes a um, long time sometimes to see the realization or the fulfillment of it. So I'm going to maybe just in that context turn to Malachi chapter 3 and just read one verse there and then I'll also go to John 1, but Malachi chapter 3. I'm speaking today on the promise magnified. The promise magnified. Now, Malachi chapter 3, and, and I, I really love this portion of Scripture, and, and this is, these are such wonderful Scriptures for us, but he would say in, in chapter 3, Behold, I send my messenger. Now he's talking of John the Baptist. He shall prepare the way before me. So, Isaiah was a promise. Now, just, just hold your thought mid-scripture mid here. If, if you can take it this way, Isaiah also said in the, in the first verses, Isaiah is a synopsis of the whole Bible, but I, in, and it would say, I, a virgin will conceive or shall conceive. Now, that word, when it went out, the prophet would say it circled the earth. For hundreds of years until it found a bedding ground. But once it went out, it, God would see to it that it would not, it would find its resting place. It would find its fulfillment. Many words in, in Isaiah were there that, that would, would come forth also in Isaiah in chapter 43. I will send a messenger before me and all the Crooked places will be made straight and all the high places made low. That was a prophecy also to be fulfilled. But now Malachi, now just take this. 
It, it had now been hundreds of years from Isaiah to Malachi, and Malachi is the last book in the Bible on the Old Testament, but he's leaving him th with these words one more time, reaffirming the promise, letting them know. Uh, he's reminding them of the promise. I haven't forgot these words. These words are not idle. They're not historical. I'm remembering these words. I will send my messenger. He shall prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek. Now I, I like these words again. Shall suddenly come to his temple. In other words, it's going to happen quicker than you think. It may look like nothing, but all of a sudden it'll be there and you'll wonder, how did it happen? Shall suddenly come to his temple even the messenger of the covenant whom you delight in, he shall come, thus saith the Lord of hosts. Now, even from Malachi to the coming of Jesus was another 400 years. And it was like silence. It seemed like there was nothing. And so it seemed like the promise was there. Now all of a sudden, as the New Testament kicks in and, and the scribes, so there's Matthew, there's Mark, there's Luke, there's John. Now all of a sudden events happen very quickly. And I say this is a type and the nature of God. And, I, and, and you, want to, you want to be established, read the scriptures and see the nature and how God operates and, and, and the spirit within which he does things. It'll help you. It'll stabilize you. you you'll, you'll have fellowship with him. You'll get to know him. Now let's go over to John chapter 1. I'm going I'm to pick up other portions of scripture here. But in John chapter 1, and, and we read some of this last week as well, about the light shining in the darkness, the darkness comprehending it not. But let's, and in, and in, and in here, you know what, uh, Brother Dan, I'm going to just back up to, to a little bit to um, verse 6, if you don't mind. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but he was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. So in God's program, whenever there was a movement, whenever there was an exodus, God had to come and make his word and his promises more real. He did that in the first exodus when he sent Moses. And Moses was bearing vindication. Now he was the vessel, but there, what was not visible was the, the pillar of fire. The angel of God that was part and privy to it. But yet Moses was bearing witness. God was making his promise real. That he'd promised to Abraham many years ago. So he was magnifying the promise. Now, the same thing happened when Jesus was to come. He sends also in an exodus, he sends a man named John. And John had a short, quick ministry, a six-month ministry. But it was to turn the hearts of the, 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 the fathers, the, to turn the heart of the fathers to the children. And, and, and it was a quick ministry. 
Now in the end time, God is one more time making his promises real to us. And what does he do? He sends Elijah to turn the hearts. And at one more time, God making his promises real. So he would say now, in verse 10, now part of this is, is the promises have to be received. Okay, so, so if it was to be a light to the Gentiles, if it was to bring people out of darkness, there had to be a reception to it. And not everybody caught it. And not everybody catches. And I would say, we ourselves sometimes sitting under this, we don't fully grasp, and I include myself in this, I'm not talking down to anybody. We don't fully grasp the magnitude of where we sit right at the moment. But I say, oh God, make it more real to us. <laughs> so he would say in verse 10, he was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came to his own, his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Now, so as many as received him, them he gave power. So it, it, it was not just learning of him and, and observing but it was actually a work of God that had to come in to make himself real. How many can testify of that? I did. I, I sat around the message. I knew of the message. But until God came to make it real. And I say, oh God, make it real. They were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, so the promise magnified is where we're, we're, we're going today. If you would look at a definition of a promise, it is a declaration of assurance that one will do a particular thing or that it will happen. Now it depends on who's making the promise. If, if you're listening to a politician on a campaign trail, I would just say, maybe, maybe not. And, and quite often, uh, the promise doesn't ever come to fruition. So it says here, uh, you know, and, so the, and, and it actually says in one, in one place, in another definition, a promise is an object that may produce a single value at some time in the future. And it gives three possible outcomes. One, it'll be fulfilled. Two, it'll be rejected. Or three, it'll be pending. Now, with God, His word is yea and amen. His promises are sure. His word is a part of his fabric and his being. When it comes out from him, it will be exactly what he said. So I, we're not talking now this morning about our promises because we fail on our promises. We're not talking about politicians. We're, and, and, and maybe if anything, we are waiting for the realization of the promise. So a promise is a noun, but it is also a verb. Uh, in other words, I will definitely do it. 
I will give or arrange something, uh, you know, and I will, I will, will do it. So at certain times, what was a promise, a noun, now God says, I'm here, it's going to happen. So, so he, he reaffirms it, and, he, and, and I, offer, I thought, now what does a promise do for us? A promise puts us into expectation. A promise gives us hope. A promise is something that we put before us and we walk into it. So a promise doesn't always stay as a promise. It has to come to fruition. My word will not return to me void. He said, it will accomplish that which I have purposed. So, so I'm, I'm using this here as, as a basis. Now, to magnify means to make something larger than it appears. I, I remember the days when, when we were in school and, and we would take a magnifying glass and a magnifying glass was to look at something very small. Now, it, you know, Jesus would say to Solomon, he would say, look at the lily. He says, this is arrayed more than Solomon in all of his glory. And if you break down the creation of God and you look at a lily, we, our natural eyes can't see it. But we have to get down to a place where it's magnified and we can see it. Brother, Brother Bob, you shared the, the story with, with us about this flower called the morning glory. And, and it's quite amazing, just as, as I've reflected on, on that, and how God in creation made all these things. And many of these things we pass over. But we are in a place in science. And science is, is, is not just looking out at the stars. They, got, they used to have the, the Hubble telescope. And now they got this new one. And they're seeing things that, that are actually reaffirming what Einstein has already saw. They called it the Einstein ring the other day. But science has also gone down to the level where they're understanding molecules and neutrons and protons. And, and the positive and the negative and, and all of these things. So... It's being magnified in a scientific world. What about God's word in the word of faith? And I would say the devil is here to, to make this just seem old or archaic. And, and, and the hardest thing you'll do this next week is pick up your Bible every day and read and pray. And I would say make it a habit because it will sustain you. It will bring forth. And as you reflect on it and meditate on it, I'll tell you there, there are thoughts in there that are tremendous thoughts. So to magnify is make something larger than it appears. It means to amplify, to deepen, to enhance, to heighten, to multiply, you know, the root word of it in, in the Greek is, is great, to, to magnify. It, it is to make something great. So to magnify is, is to make something great. So we, we've been talking over the next little, last little while here about the promises of God. We've been looking at Hebrews chapter 11, how faith is a substance. Uh, I know faith, it, it actually is looking at something that is real even though it's not there yet. Faith is brings you to the fulfillment of the promise. 
And, and we took last week a little bit of time, God taking the unseen dimensions to a scene, our, our, our three dimensions that we live in, which are light and time and matter, but yet outside of that, there's influences coming in from the fourth dimension, that, that's in a negative way, but also from the sixth dimension in a positive way. Now, I want to look at this maybe in terms, and, and we, we took it just, just briefly on Wednesday where, you know, God, God in Hebrews chapter 11, he, believed, he spoke his word, he believed his word, and it came to pass. Now, that, that's from a position of God, but here we are, we're in the negative. We, we, we have come, we've bypassed our theophany, we have come directly to the flesh, we, we, in, in our theophany, that's your word body, that, in that form you know all things, but yet, indirectly, we are hearing from our theophany. And, and, and there's a part of you that you don't know by knowledge. There's a part of you that you can't figure out. You don't know why it keeps bringing you back to this. Why it brings you back. You can't get away from it. I'll tell you what, that's a good sign that there's a part of you that belongs to, to God. And I thank God that it's there. I feel that pull. And even if you are a believer, and if you have your ups and your downs, it keeps you coming back. And thank God it's there. So as we related this on, on Wednesday, so we, we look at it from the negative and we don't see the positive. And, and so, but yet within us is something, and, and we took the subject, seeing the something in nothing. And, and, and there was different examples we took, and, and I didn't get to the one in John chapter 6, but in John chapter 6, it was where, where Jesus is now, now taking the disciples, and he's, 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 he's called 5,000, he's called 70, and, and, you know, and, and we can go through the history, and now there's 70, and he says these words, there's too many that are following me. And, and he says, except you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in me. And, and many said, this is a hard saying. Who can understand it? And many from that time walked with him no more. Now there was 12 of them, <coughs> and, and I'll say, I'll use the number because 12 stayed, <coughs> but out of that there was a number that were ordained to eternal life. And their faith did not rest on what they could figure out intellectually. They saw that it didn't rest on the crowds. It didn't rest on, on, on what was there. But now they were brought to the place where they couldn't figure it out. They couldn't understand it. And, and, and Jesus say, now are you guys going to go also? And they said, Lord, where could we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. We, we are at the same place today. Uh, there, there's an amazing message in 1963, Brother Branham would speak, called The Evening Messenger. And he makes a statement, and it always has struck me in the early years of my youth, and, and as I started reading the message, and he would say in there, when it looks like the message is defeated, when it looks like it's defeated, that's when God steps on the scene. Now, as much as it took, 
Naaman going into that dirty water six times. Nothing happened. Nothing happened. Nothing happened. As much as it took the children of Israel six times around Jericho. Nothing happened. Nothing happened. Nothing happened. But there was something in them that said there is something in what I'm believing. There is something in what I'm doing. And, and you... <coughs> You can look in, in, in church realms and there's great manifestations and there's great things here. But yet inside of us there's something that says, I know whom I have believed. And I desire with all my heart everything that he has for me. So it was the seventh time that Naaman went down, something happened. It was the seventh time that Israel went around to march, then something happened. And I say, that God is still here. Because six days it looked like nothing. But the seventh day, suddenly he comes to fulfill his promise. Suddenly he comes. You don't know the day. You don't know the hour. But let's be ready. Let's be expecting. Let's be waiting. So, <coughs> Brother Branham would say about John chapter 6. And he, he refers to Jesus in the three pulls, 5,000, 70, 12. And he's speaking a message called the unveiling of God. And he says, you who take the tapes, I trust that you have had a spiritual understanding of what God has been trying to get over to the church without saying it right out. Oh, the secret things belong to the children of God. And you know what? It's between you and God. Really, it is. You might come and have a general, but only He. And in your prayer closet, it's you and Him. He says, now, I, I, he says, I, I trust you can understand what we've been trying to get over to you without saying it. Sometimes we have to say things in such a way that it might thin down. It might bring some to go out, some to leave, and some to ponder over. But it's done purposely. It must be done that way. He, can you imagine he's got 12 ordained to his life and he does something he doesn't tell them what he did or why he did, but then he asks them, are you going to leave also? Didn't give them one bit of explanation. And they, they were so sold out that they knew this was what it was. Yeah. Friends, oh, oh, this hasn't changed in the day and the hour we live in. Many that were around the message, even in the meetings, even families around Jeffersonville, some of those have now left. And say, well, I can't figure it out. See, it's not just first and second pull, but it's a third pull. It's an anchor in the soul. And I would say, whoever you are, don't rely on just this church. Don't rely on your family. Don't rely on your parents. And in fact, ask yourself this question. If my parents leave the message, will I stay? That's how sold out you have to be. I, I thank God for that. I believe God can make it surreal, and I'm not saying your parents should. I say, let's all come. But I'll say, no matter what, 
Let's stand with God. Stand with his word. So God comes to make his promises more real. He, he comes to bring an expectation. I, I won't read more of this, this quote, but, but we'll, we'll, just, we'll just move on with that because even Peter, who had what I would call an intellectual faith for a period of time, you know, it was Peter who saw Jesus walking on the water. Lord, if that's you, could you imagine Andrew doing this? Andrew was the prayer warrior. No, but it was Peter who always opened his mouth. Lord, if that's really you, bid me to come and walk in the water. Come. So he comes. Hey, look at this, guys. And about the time he started doing that, he started sinking. Something came to me, and I don't want to say it, but what are you sinking about? No, I'm not going to tell you what I'm sinking about. At any rate, you caught it now already. Anyway, I said it, and I let it go. <laughs> but it was... God knew that Peter would, would do that intellectually, but he didn't rebuke Peter. He says, why did you doubt? In other words, even though he failed, he said, come up a little higher. You know, God knows that we're children. We're walking. We're climbing a ladder of faith. It isn't all in one shot. It isn't all glorious. And, and I'll tell you what, if we start to present that picture where, hey, you know, you're at step one of the message of the 10-step school, and, and you failed back to square one. No. God, God brings us along. He uses the failures to help us along the way. He'll take, sometimes when we get into the permissive will, he'll make it work to his perfect will. I think that he's such a God as this. So now, when God makes a promise, now if you can take the position of God, here he is eternal, he sees it all. At the end, he, he, in the beginning, he sees the sons and daughters rejoicing with joy. He sees the fall, he sees history, he sees the wickedness of the world, he sees the end time. But he sees also all of us at the end time. He says, now, in order to connect the beginning from the end, and if I have to do it the other way, uh, if, if I'm going the wrong way, then pretend I'm Hebrew, okay? And Because and, Hebrews read the other way. But, but you know, if i got to get from one end to the other, the only way I'm going to do it is I'm going to send Jesus in the middle. He's going to pay the price. All those that died in the faith, all those after the faith, because when he died, he sat down expecting. So he was waiting for a fulfillment of the promise to A, as it was in Daniel chapter 9, to what? To anoint, there's a six-fold purpose under Gabriel's visit, but it was to, to I, I, I don't want to read it. I'm going to get sidetracked too far. But you go back and read it. There's a six-fold purpose. Part of that is not just so you could be saved and barely scraped through. But it's meant for you to live an overcoming life. It's meant for you to have hope. It's meant for you to anoint the most holy. It's meant for you to sing praises to God. Even while you don't have the promise yet. Thank God for the promise. Thank God for the assurance. Why are you singing today? Because I know I won't die. That promise is real. Uh, why are you singing today? Because I know God has put something in my heart. And I'm going to see it. Just like Job. I will see my Redeemer. I know I will be with him. You can't take that away from us. That's a reality. No devil can stop that. And God makes it more real all the way. Now, so God had a thought. And he sees everything there. So when he speaks a word, that word cannot fail. That word must come to pass. 
And why does he speak it? Because he speaks it that we might have faith in what he's going to do. I'm in this fallen condition. Don't worry. I purchased you. I bought you. I'm going to bring you up higher. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to nourish you. I'm going to feed you. I'm going to take, do all of these things for you. So he, he gives us promises. So <coughs> God's thoughts are real. They have substance. And if we can latch onto them, that substance begins to accumulate in us. Hence my, my thought that I was going to title the other way, the accumulation of substance. But you are accumulating it. This is not prosperity doctrine. This is an unintangible. So in the church ages, the eternal thoughts of God are the thoughts of God eternal. If you can see this, you will see many things. God is unchangeable in essence and behavior. We've studied that God is infinite in his abilities. He's omnipotent. He's not learning. He's not adding. He's not taking counsel with himself. He can't add to his knowledge. He is omnipotent. He never had a new thought. All the thoughts he had always have, always will be. And he knows the end from the beginning because he's God. The thoughts of God are eternal. They are real. They are, they are just like a blueprint that one day will be translated into substance and form. And they will be then. And then he brings out Psalms 139, which is just a tremendous portion of scripture. But he said, Adam, he had a thought of Adam, and he was formed of the dust, and his spiritual being was created by God. Adam became God's thought expressed. Those eternal thoughts are now manifested. Down through the centuries we go. There was a Moses, a Jeremiah, John the Baptist. Each one of these were God's eternal thought expressed in season. Then we come to Jesus, the Logos, the perfect and complete thought expressed, and he became known as the Word that's what he is and forever will be and now it says he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world that means we were right there with him in the mind and the thoughts of God before the foundation of the world that gives an eternal quality to the elect and you cannot get away from that I, I forget the message. It was in 1965, and, and I, 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 I'm just trying to recall. It was in February, and I don't have the title, but it, I'm getting closer. I'm getting warm. I'm getting warm. I'm getting warm. But Brother Bam said, you know as a child, you were always different. He says, you played with the other kids, and in you there was something calling out. You didn't understand it. You didn't know it. And what's, what's he doing? He's tapping into something that was always there. It was always a part of God. It's not something you learned, but it was there, and it was the first time you stole something or the first time you did something and something spoke to you that's not right and then and then you go but you overrode it and you did it anyway but it was always God there he always was there no matter how deep in sin we went no matter how far it's never far enough that God can't reach down and bring us back up and in fact he uses what the devil did against him and he says because as it was it was the devil in God's perfect Eden that wrecked it. Now God in Satan's Eden is going to the depths that he's never gone to bring a seed out of there and he's showing to the devil, look at what my seed can do in your Eden. Look at what I can do. I have redeemed them. I have cleansed them. I will bring them back. 
What did he say? I and the children that thou hast given me. He's always included us in every promise. Now, in very plain language, the true bride of Christ was in the mind of God eternally, though not expressed until each came forth in the designated decreed season. Now, I'm going to just take, well, let me, let me go a little bit further here. <coughs> so there's an eternal quality. We bypassed our theophany. In who is this Melchizedek, Brother Ram would say, the only difference between us and Jesus, the only difference, think about that, is we bypassed our theophany and came straight to the flesh for, to, for the temptation. He never bypassed his theophany. And he, knowing all things, from his theophany became flesh. Now, that, that's a great condescension. Because he never had to, but he did it willingly. So, so the only difference now... So as the children of God, we were always there. So again, going back to a promise, as by God, I cannot change, I cannot lie, I am eternal. And when I project a promise by my word into this dimension, it's with eternity in mind. It's not with the conditions of Laodicea. It's not with who's in power. It's not what the rules are. It's none of those things. It's not, it, it's not time. It's not age. Because he proved that with Abraham. But the promise is greater than all of these things because it's God's eternal word. Secondly, he put forth an oath. And last of all, he puts forth an expectation. Now, uh, I, I, I'm going to jump to this, Brother Dan. So let's go to, to, to Genesis chapter 12. Sometimes I just need to build it a little bit more before I jump into some of these thoughts. But in Genesis chapter 12, and, and Abraham is such a wonderful example, and, and trust it's not too familiar, but I'm going to take this vein. So here God takes Abraham, and he calls him when he's at his best, when he's 18 years old. I'm sorry. I'm thankful there was no amens on that. He called him when he was 75. Now, God, what are you doing? And you're going to give this guy promises? And not only that, listen, it's not the fact that they're 75 and Sarah's 65, but they couldn't even have children. Something was wrong in, in the anatomy and, and, and the biological realm. They couldn't even have children when they were younger. But he now gives them a promise that I'm, you're going to have a great nation. And it's going to be because of your union. Now, man, God, what are you doing? Yeah, he knows exactly what he's doing. What are you doing calling me in, in, in Laodicea? What are you doing saying, be perfect? How can I be perfect in this age? God knows what he's doing. Now, the Lord had said to Abraham, get thee out of thy country, from thy kindred, from thy father's house, and a land that I will show you, and I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and I'll make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing, and I will bless them that bless thee, and curse them that curse thee, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And in verse 4, the only thing Abraham had to do with all of this, he departed as the Lord had spoken unto him. 
But the first three verses, I will do this. I will bless them that bless you. I will curse them that curse you. Listen, that followed Abraham when he went out. God called him to that, and it followed him. And I'll just tell you this. There is a blessing on this message. I'll tell you what. You can't get away from it. They can call you names. I, I could tell you stories of people that have went too far and very quickly paid the retribution for it. And I'll say this, I think we ought to admonish this message. Lift it up. Lift it up in our homes. Lift it up in this church. Lift it up in our minds. Lift it up in our thinking. Lift it up above all of Satan's things. It's God's promise to us. So now here's Abraham. He's, he's, he's going out. He's just given these promises. Now, if you actually take... You know, and, and, and you take here, now, Abraham went out as the Lord spoke, but God doesn't give all the details here. He doesn't tell Abraham this is going to be a 25-year journey before you and Sarah ever have a child. He doesn't tell him what his seed will endure after. He doesn't tell him all of these things. Now, God makes a promise. If you actually read all the promises to Abraham over the span of 25 years, and you just read them and put a timer on, it works out to eight minutes of God speaking to Abraham in 25 years. Now, that doesn't include the visitation with Melchizedek at the time of, of Sodom. It doesn't include Genesis 18, where the, the three men came at the tent, but because those are furtherances. So, God knew that the promise would have to be rehearsed or magnified or made real, because as time goes on, it looked worse and worse and worse, but God kept saying, no, I get it, here it is, here's more, here's more, and he kept, he, despite no evidence, he kept rehearsing the promise. You guys say you're going to take a rapture one day? Yes, we are going to take a rapture one day. Yes, we are that, that country cousin. And we heard the promise of our mate. And we heard he's coming back for us. And we're making preparation. You know, you, 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 we've come out of a Pentecostal age where, you know, they, they, they Brother Man would call it the airplane age. The age before that was the automobile age and the horse and buggy age. But we're not even in the Pentecostal age or the airplane age anymore. We are in the rocket age. And in the rocket age, listen, the, the Pentecostals, they'll, they'll, have, they'll have under that anointing, and I'm not making fun of it, but they'll have their, their flights. Oh, look at this. And there'll be an anointing, and there'll be a meeting, and, and it'll, it'll come, and they'll fly, and they'll fly, and, and they'll go, and they'll land again. And they'll do hundreds of those. And they'll say, look at how many flights we took. How many flights have you taken? Well, I've actually gone like Enoch many times into the presence of God. But one day, and I'll say this, there's a change that's happened already. It started in my soul. And one day my, my mind has actually taken dominion, but one day my body's going to catch up. And it says, and we're going to take one flight. That's all we're going to take, one flight, not multiple flights, because I don't want to land back down here. I want to go up. And I said, how long have you been in this program? How long have you been in this training? All my life. Yeah. 
If you actually look at the astronauts, they will train for, for tens and twenty years to take one flight. But we are training many, many years for what? One moment, one flight, where God will come into this bride so supernaturally. And the devil will come down into his people. But it'll be when the bride goes up, the devil will come down. And I say we're training for it. We're moving into it. And while it's happening, God has to keep magnifying the promise to us. <laughs> so, <clears throat> as Abraham walked, and here's the key. As Abraham walked in the promise, God opened more to him. In chapter 14, we read where he fights for Lot, and he doesn't... He doesn't give his, collect anything from Melchizedek. You know, here, you know, earthly speaking, it would seem like, okay, this will help me along the way. No, I, I, I'm journeying somewhere. Don't, don't, don't bother me with these things. But he meets Melchizedek. He has communion. So, so there's something that is now reaffirming the promise to him. And, and, and maybe the words don't remember, but he remembers meeting this king, and this king came from a city, and I know that city exists because I've met the king of that city. And he began looking for a city. He began to be an expectation. What does a promise do? It puts you in expectation. What, I, I, I'll put it this way, when, when the gift that God sent in this generation who met an angel of the Lord. This was, was not just Brother Branham's message. This was a message given by an angel. It was supernatural. But when that angel came and he comes in prayer lines and, and he'll begin to discern. And, and what was he doing when he starts speaking to people? He says, I see you in the afternoon. You've got some blues. A spirit comes in you. It's a heaviness. I see you. Oh, it causes you grief. And now it's manifest. It's a liver condition now. And, and, and he, he brings it all. He says, he says and, and as the people are listening, okay, how did he know that? How did he know? How did he translate that from a spiritual thing to a natural thing? And he says, now, Jesus Christ is here to make himself real to you. What was he doing? He was making it real so that they could recognize the one that was passed in the past, the one that's here today, is the one that's going to be there in the future. And they began to walk in it. They opened up to it, and they received the promise. Now, Brother Bannon would say, I can't force you. But what was he doing? He was laying the conditions and the groundwork, and he was making the promise real. What, what is the enemy doing right now? In every, in all of the YouTube videos, in, in, and, and he'll, listen, I didn't say you can't watch it, but I was saying, be careful, because there's seeds being sown there. And I say, every time you watch something you shouldn't watch, you can't erase that from your brain. So be careful how much you put in your brain. And, and, and so, and, and even in social media, what's he doing? He is preparing a people for a tribulation. 
He is sowing the seeds where there is fear. They, I just read an article the other day where, where it says the heart disease was linked to watching too much news. That's the truth. You, you watch enough news and things and this is happening and this economic and this. But there's good news. <laughs> Where was I before I distracted myself? So, so the promise, the prayer lines, as, as you're coming, I, there, there's one that's outstanding to me. He, he, he tells him like, there was a man and, 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 and the man is there and he says, oh, he says, you have, and he calls it sexual troubles. And he said, this came, you denied God, you cursed God, you even wrote a tract. And, and he says, you, do, is it okay if I say that? He says, yeah, you did. You've had many troubles because of that. Now, we would have written him off. But God comes, remember, he's Jesus Christ, the same. Yeah. He came to who? The woman at the well that did not have a good life. He came to the woman caught in adultery. He said, I'm not come to save the well. I'm come to save the lost, those that are sick, those that are this. And he, and he comes and he says, you've had many issues. And he names them off and names them off. And, he's, and then he, he, he goes and tells them. He says, now, he's offered forgiveness. And he said, if you'll walk, God will be with you. I mean, the, the grace that was extended. There, there's another one that comes through where he says, I see you. You have this. You're at a doctor. I see you in great pain. But I see you well and rejoicing. Oh, my goodness. Like, hallelujah. What was it? The promise being magnified, being made real. Why did God send Elijah? That we might know it's the season. The Lord's going to come suddenly to his temple one day. Genesis chapter 15. <clears throat> I really can't read all of these, but if I summarize part of my reading. <coughs> In my Bible, it said the Lord's covenant promise to Abraham. As a title. After these things, the word of the Lord came in a into Abraham in a vision saying, Fear not, Abraham, I'm thy shield. I'm thy exceeding great reward. And Abraham said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless? And the steward of my house is this Eliezer of D Damascus. And Abraham said, Behold, thou hast given no seed, uh, no seed. And lo, the one that's born in my house is mine heir. And the, words, the word of the Lord came to him. Now he's, he's magnifying the promise now. He's saying, No, don't use your thinking, Abraham. He said, this shall not be your heir, but he that comes forth from your bowels shall be your heir. Now, Abraham, he, he, because a promise wasn't real, he later took Hagar yet. He still, but God keeps making the promise more real in the right season. And then in verse, he says, now go, in verse 5, he says, now go, look abroad, look at the stars, the heaven, number them. 
And he said unto them, so shall your seed be. Now, Abraham is just, I just need a child. That's all I need first. Quit. Why are you telling me about that, 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 and that, that? But sometimes, a message like future home, when, when you begin to look at it, and, and you, like, how am I going to get from here to there? But you know what? You listen to it and say, man, that's me out there. I can see myself out there. I, you know what? I, I'm a part of that. I'm not a part of this. I'm not a part of this. I'm a part of that. I belong to that. So what is it? Sometimes you need to look down the road. You need to see yourself down the road. You, you know, if we focus too much on our little issue and situation without looking down the road, we'll, we'll, we'll go off this way, that way. But, but the ego vision has come. And it burns in our hearts. And we don't know why it burns in our hearts. But it tells you, I have representation over there. I'm a part of this promise. I'm a part of this program. So here he's, he's telling Abraham and he says, now look at these stars, so shall thy seed be. Verse 6, I love this. He believed in the Lord and he counted it to him for righteousness. In other words, Abraham had a bank account in heaven and Abraham believed it. In other words, he, even though he's got these questions about his child, about his things, but God says, he believes me, I'm going to put something in his account. And the Bible says, blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute iniquity. Oh, what grace God gives us. Brother Branham would say this in a message, Abraham's seed. Jesus said, no man can come except my father draws him first. It was God knocking at your heart, not you seeking God. It was God seeking you. See, the covenant is to you a grace covenant, not the Adamic covenant, which is you do this, you do this, and then I'll bless you. No, the covenant is I'm going to do this for you. And, and it'll take my grace for you to be able to fulfill it. But I'm going to make it happen. So he says, now, you never chose him, he chose you. Out of the millions in the world today, he reached down and chose you. Put your name on the Lamb's book of life before the foundation of the world. And Jesus was the Lamb slain. And when God speaks anything, it's perfect. It's as good as done when God speaks it. Trouble is, the church is scared. I'm afraid of this. And he says, no, it isn't you, it's him. Let me just... Brother Van used this example. I thought it was so good. You know, in the Old Testament, you couldn't, when you brought a sacrifice, you couldn't bring a sacrifice that had a blemish, that had anything on it, you know, and, and it had to be a perfect sacrifice. It's in the Old Testament. But that was a representation of Christ, and he was going to be the perfect sacrifice. But the trouble is, man, like Abraham, and like all of me, all of us, me included, uh, you know, we, we, we think, okay, I've started, I'm, we're like the Galatians, I've started, God's helped me, now I'm going to finish the work. I've got to do it out. No, God has to keep working in us to finish the work. It's His grace every step of the, the way. So Brother says, in the old covenant, if a mule was born in a pasture some night, now, remember, uh, the, the mule if it was, like it had all kinds of issues. And he says, maybe this mule was born with a flopped ear. 
Maybe he's knock-kneed. Maybe he's cross-eyed. Maybe his tail sticks right straight up. Maybe he's a horrible-looking mule. Now, he could look around and say to his mama, you know what, as soon as the master of the house comes out, he's going to knock me in the head. I'm no good. But if the mammy was instructed, as Brother Bram said, I'm going to tell you something. I don't know who you, he says, you don't know who you are, son, but you're born under a birthright. And if the master of the house comes out and he's got a new mule born, then the thing is to go and get a lamb without blemish, take that perfect lamb, and that perfect lamb dies so you can live. So that mule, even though it had everything against it, that lamb took its place. That's the way it is with us. We're imperfect. We're no good. We're born in sin. We're shaped in iniquity. But God doesn't look at you. He looks at the sacrifice and he looks at the lamb. He doesn't see you. He sees Christ. And if he can't find any fault with Jesus, then he says, your healing might not be right, but if there's no fault in him, it's perfect. And I love, I love what the Bible says in the Old Testament. You know, you have to keep it up four days. Here's Jesus. He was before Pilate and they kept him up and they examined him. And finally it was Pilate that said, I find no fault in him. That's the Jesus we serve. Even everyone has to testify, I find no fault in him. So how are you, if, if it's that, it's as good as finished. That's God's word. And, and, and I, I could say more of it, I, I got to keep moving on. So God begins to make his word more real to Abraham. I want to read just this little part. Verse 7 of Genesis 15. I'm the Lord that brought thee out of Ur of Chaldees to give thee this land to Herod. And, and the Lord God said, whereby shall I know that I inherit it? So now he tells him, take a heifer, take a she-goat, take a ram, take a pigeon. He takes these, he divides them all, but the birds he divides not. And when the fowls came down, Abraham drove them away. And when the sun was down, now this is in verse 12, a deep sleep came upon Abraham, a horror of great darkness fell upon him. And he said to Abraham, know of a surety. So now, here is this horror of darkness, experiences death. I'll tell you what, I, we walk through the valley of the shadow of death right now. If, if what we're experiencing and what we see in the world right now, I tell you, I do not want to be a part of the tribulation. Can you imagine when the bride is lifted up and all hell comes down? I say, oh God. And I, I, I found myself crying and praying a number of times lately. You know what, friends? If we could catch it right now, if we could catch it right now, and it took Brother Branham to go beyond the curtain of time, and he, he said it was perfection, it was such perfect love. He said, this is what you preached the Holy Ghost was. And when you find yourself in love with your enemies, friends, that is the great victory in the love divine. I found myself, everybody left the house and it was so nice out and I have a little patio, it's private and I just, I knelt down back there outside yesterday and I found myself praying for my neighbors. I found myself praying for work colleagues. I said, Lord, don't let them pass. And you can't make this up. That is 
That is the desire of God that He wants to express through us. He's crying through us. The Holy Ghost is crying. Listen, that's still His office now. He's going to come as the Lamb, the wrath of the Lamb. But right now, He's still the priest. He's still working through us. Whatever you do, Brother Bram said, get perfect love. If there's an ought, there's an ought, make it right. Listen, this, don't, don't let these words come back to haunt you. It might seem little, but, but don't, don't let it haunt you. Brother Branham never knew. I'm preaching the Holy Ghost, and he gets over and he sees the reality of it. What is the Holy Ghost going to do? It's your ticket, and it's also going to live through you and express Christ to this world. This great horror of darkness goes on Abraham. And now I, I, I probably need to just move really quickly now. Now he's not only telling Abraham, he says, Now Abraham, know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs, and they shall serve them, and they shall afflict them 400 years. And also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge, and afterward they will come out with a great substance." Now, he's giving a promise to the seed of Abraham. Now, he's, he's telling Abraham this in Genesis chapter 15. He's telling him, I'm going to judge that nation. I love how God does things. God, is Israel disobeyed? God raises up Nebuchadnezzar, and he tells Nebuchadnezzar, and he says, now, you're going to punish my children. And he does it, he punishes them, and then when he's finished, he tells, he tells Nebuchadnezzar, okay, because you touched my children, I'm going to punish you now. <laughs> but we were his children. Thank God for the chastisement. You know, why did David, why did David point to Shimei and, and say to Shimei as he's cursing him, and Joab's about ready to take his head off. And he says, no, 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 let him curse let him curse. He says, maybe God will look down on my affliction. Listen, I might not have time to get to all these scriptures today, but if you actually look, when the enemy starts to magnify himself, that's when God comes on the scene. When Goliath started to make his boast, and God sees him making his boast, that's when God says, okay, I'm going to magnify myself through David. I'll tell you what, when, when you see uh, and read the books of Daniel, it says how the prince will come in with flatteries and shall begin to magnify himself. Friends, if you look at the moves that, that Rome is making right now, they're electing a bunch more cardinals. They're, they're, they, they had an order of these priests for a thousand years. They've called them all in. They're changing their order. After a thousand years. Don't think that all of these things. They're, they're beginning to magnify. And getting ready to exercise power. Don't, listen. And when that happens. That's when God steps on the scene. When the enemy begins to step up. I, I, got, I got many scriptures I could read. But I got to keep moving. So he's telling him. I'll judge that nation with a great substance. Now, so he's making a promise not just to Abraham, but to Abraham's seed. Let's, let's jump ahead if you can. <coughs> Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. 
I've changed my scriptures all around, Brother Dan. Galatians chapter 3. It's okay. The Lord knows where we're going. Now, Paul is talking to them about you're, you're trying to, the spirit came and the law came. Now, you, you started in the spirit. Now, you're going back to the law. Now, it says in verse 6, even as Abraham believed God, it was accounted to him for righteousness. Know ye therefore they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. And the scripture, seeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached the gospel unto Abraham, seeing, saying, in thee shall all the nations be blessed. Then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. Now, I, I, I could read more of this. Drop down to verse 12. The law is not of faith. The man that doeth them shall live in them. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. It is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth in a tree. That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Verse 16, now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. Now, remember how I said earlier, God keeps magnifying the promise. He keeps rehearsing it, making it bigger. Well, Abraham by this time had now taken Sarah, or no, had taken Hagar, had Ishmael, desired that Ishmael may live, but God said no. Okay, you got Ishmael because of your desire, because of Sarah's influence. But my thought all along has been Isaac. That is the son of promise. So I, listen, I, I want to receive not what the church world wants. I want to receive what God wants. I want to receive the promises of this hour according to what he saw in me. So I'm not interested in, in what man can make. I'm not interested in what man thinks. What I think, I say, be it unto me according to your word, Lord. Yes. And he says, verse 16, so to Abraham and his seed were the promises given, not as many, but to thy seed, which is Christ. Now in the church age book, Brother Branham just talks about this briefly, and he talks about the children of the promise. And he'll say, now, God gave a sure promise to all of Abraham's seed. Abraham is the father of us all. But in Galatians 3, he identifies the seed singular with Jesus, the seed children, the children of promise, the promise having to do with election or the choosing of God. They are predestinated, foreknown of God, in the mind of God, in his thoughts. Now he says, we're coming to a conclusion as God was manifest in the Son, Jesus in the fullness of the Godhead, even the Eternal One, the Father manifest in the flesh, gained the title of Son, even so we, eternal in His thoughts, become the many-membered spoken word seed. Seed is not heir with the shuck. I, we're, we're not part of what was in the past. But we're part of this. He says, now, and I, I, I'll, I'll just share this with you. Over time, just reading in the Bible, and I'll say this, the message has its ups and its downs, it has this, it has this influence, it has this, but there's something God is depositing in us about what we should look for. So we don't look, and as, as Brother Moon said, we don't look for great revivals, denominational worldwide revivals, that will not be no more. 
But there is a revival promised to the bride of Jesus Christ. There is promises. And those promises are unlike any other age. And I would say, you know, as, as, as John would say, my little children whom I rejoice, since that, that he sees that the word is manifest in you. I'm, I'm, it's in John, 3 John. I, I'm not repeating it correctly. I'm desiring, Lord, fulfill your word in my life. Yes, I love church. I love rejoicing. I love that. That isn't the conclusion of the matter. The body change. And, and if it takes, and, and I believe it, it is rejoicing is a part of it. Because there's a song that we need to sing that brings God down too. But he says now, we did not become seed by rebirth. We were seed. Therefore, we were reborn because only the elect can be reborn. Thank God for that. Peter said on the day of Pentecost, these promises are to you and your children. And when they met on Acts 2.38, God honored that check. These promises are to you and your children. God honored that check. It went through the clearinghouse and it came back. They began to speak in tongues and prophesy and magnify God. And when a believer signs his name a believer, it passes through God's Pentecostal clearinghouse with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It will pay off every promise and everything else. Okay, let me just take, now I'm going to take a big leap and there'll be another part of this, but let me take this leap to finish this morning. So Abraham's seed, you're going to serve in a strange land. You're going to serve 400 years. Okay, now God's all the time making his promise real, but he's got to make it real to his children. So now I won't go through all of Exodus, but let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 2. Deuteronomy chapter 2. And, and, and in this, now remember, they have come out. And now Moses is 40 years in the wilderness. They're about to move into the fulfillment of everything God had told Abraham. But now God needs to make it real to them that are going to go in and possess it. So Moses starts in Deuteronomy 1. He tells them, look what happened. Look at what God did. Look at the things he's helped you. Look at the rebellion before. Look at all these wanderings. Now Deuteronomy chapter 2. Let's drop down to verse 30. And he, he's, he's just now talking to them. In a month, they're about to cross over. So in Deuteronomy chapter 30, he says, But Sihon, king of Heshbon, would not let us pass by him. For the Lord thy God has hardened his spirit, made his heart obstinate, that he might deliver him into thy hand as appears this day. There's a whole part of this that I really wanted to get to, but it's when the enemy raises up and magnifies himself. That's when God comes even greater. Okay? And you see the enemy is coming against us more than ever. But I say, don't look at that. Look at God that will make this come to pass. Amen. Brother John, you and I were fellowshipping on this. I, I might come to this maybe next Sunday. But, but Brother Bram says, I'm looking for another surge of the Holy Ghost. The token message. When God will come into this bride. Listen, you talk... Abraham, all these years, these years, now Genesis 18, Abraham is meeting three men. And they're talking to him. And, and, and their last visitation says, I will return to you according to the time of life. 
Where did they appear to him again? They didn't. It manifest in Abraham and Sarah. This last manifestation will be in a bride that believes the word. This last, there's a people that have received him. It's not going to be, listen, not necessarily Brother Brown going to come back. My goodness, I've got to stop what I'm thinking right now. We received a letter at church here this last week. Man who foresaw the resurrection of Brother Branham at a certain church. It's coming up in the next month on a certain day, and it equals Brother Branham's lifespan plus two times seven, which is God's perfect number, plus two times plus two, two more days. And that's why this date has come, and it's going to happen at a certain church at 7 p.m., and Brother Branham's going to speak. And, and, the, and I, I contacted the brother at the church, and he said, I didn't know anything about this. And then he calls me back a little later. Oh, we just got the same letter. Listen, the nature of God will tell you how he operates and how he works. You don't have to fear those things. You don't have to listen to those things. You need to just say, God, you're going to speak. It's going to be real to me. You're going to drop it in. I'm one of them. So now he's telling him, this king would not let you pass. Now, this is before they ever get to the promised land. Now, God is going to magnify his promise. And he says, in verse 31, he says, And the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have begun to give Sihon and his land before me. Begin to possess that you may inherit the land. Now, God's already turning He's already moving into another way. I have begun to possess before they ever crossed Jordan. Before Brother Branham ever preached the seals, he already preached serpent seed. He already preached some things that will bring us right into it. Before we ever take the rapture, there will be things happen. There'll be a resurrection of the saints from the dead. There'll be promises that will be made more real. God will show himself. You might see Sister Rose walk into your room one day, Brother Dale, Brother Dwayne. Go down to Deuteronomy chapter 3, verse 1. And we turned and we went up the way of Bashan and Og the king of Bashan came out, us and he all his people to battle at Edre. And the Lord said, fear not, I'll deliver him and all his people his land and you shall do unto him as you did to the Amorites. I, I, I can't read all of this. Let's go down to verse 8. And we took at that time out of the hand of the two kings of the Amorites the land that was on this side of Jordan from the river Arnon unto the Mount Hermon. So they already began to possess land before they ever crossed the Jordan. Now two tribes, and sometimes we view them as negatively, but two tribes that were on this side of the Jordan, they never made it, but God was already magnifying the promise before they ever crossed it. And if you actually read Moses, he told the two tribes, he said, now, you're going to get given this land, but you're also going to go help your brothers take the land in Jordan. And when you finished helping them, then you can go back. So I don't view it as negative. I view it as God moving, magnifying himself. Okay. Jump to Joshua, if you will. I'm, I'm going to go right 
I won't read Joshua 1. Let's go to Joshua 3. Verse 5, and Joshua said, sanctify yourselves. Tomorrow the Lord will do wonders, wonders among you. And Joshua spake to the priests, take up the Ark of the Covenant, pass before the people, and they took up the Ark and the Covenant, went before the people. Now what's God lifting up? Not, not Moses, the Word. Who's carrying the Word? The Levites. Well, you know, it's not for us to look at the Levites. Look at the Ark. Look at the Word. And the Lord said unto Joshua, This day will I begin to magnify thee in the sight of all of Israel, that they may know as I was with Moses, so, so shall I be with thee. Now Moses, he spoke the words. He spoke it. Joshua was the general that carried it out. Brother Branham fulfilled a part of it. He fulfilled the Moses commission, but the Joshua commission. And Joshua was to take us in the land, but it wasn't all on him. It was also on a people that were anointed with the same thing. You read all of Joshua chapter 4 about the 12 men. They all have part of these stones. And I, I, I don't want to rehearse this. I've got to go quickly. But go, go all the way down. Uh, all of these, these 40,000 prepared for war passed over. Verse 14. Joshua chapter 4, 4 verse 14. On that day. When? When all these men took these stones. When all these men obeyed Joshua, when all these men did these things, on that day, the Lord magnified Joshua in the sight of all of Israel that feared him, and they, as they feared Moses all the days of his life. Now, Brother Abraham's not going to come back that we're going to fear him and do that, but the word that he spoke, that word will be magnified. That word will be lifted up in our midst. That word will be magnified that we'll recognize this was the man of God. This was the word of God. This was the prophet that we were promised to be sent. Turn, turn quickly, Brother Dan, to Genesis chapter, I don't know, Psalms chapter 138, verse 1. I'm just going by quick memory here. Psalms 138, verse 1. A Psalm of David. I will praise thee with my whole heart. Before the gods will I sing praise unto thee. Verse 2. I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. For thou hast magnified thy word above thy name. That word that we believe, that word that we live by, God's going to honor it. God's going to magnify it. Oh, it's one thing to say I'm a Christian. It's another thing for the word to live in you and the Christian to show up out of you. We're not just family because we say we're family or we got the family name. No, the word will be magnified above all. Praise God. <laughs> well, I'm going I'm to stop there because if I get into something else, I won't. Any further, let's have the musicians come. We're coming closer all the time. Maybe I'll do it next week, but if you read Ezekiel chapter 36, because the enemy has said the high places are mine. And this is, this is Ezekiel's in the time of the captivity. Because the enemy has said these things. 
And he says, Israel, you failed. You done wrong, but I had pity for my holy name. Therefore, I will lift up my name. It will be magnified among the heathen. Listen, how is it going to be magnified in his people? You look at the number of times Brother Branham would say, now it may not be when I'm here, but some of you children, you listen to these tapes and you see if it ain't so. You watch and see if the words that I have spoken don't come to pass. They're coming to pass. We're looking at the word like never before. What is it? It's the promise magnified. I didn't have time to get into it today. But the word that was spoken in Isaiah that circled the earth, circled the earth, 400 years of silence, John the Baptist comes on the scene, quick ministry, and at that time, there's a priest, Zacharias, in the temple. And he, 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 he comes and, and an angel appears to him. And he, he and tells him things that are going to be, and he, he doesn't quite grasp it. And an angel appears to a little girl named Mary. Play softly, Sister Angie. Speak softly to Mary. And said, this is what's going to happen in you. And she, she asked the same question, Zacharias. How shall these things be? Zechariah asked it with a doubting heart, but she asked it. See, you can have a question, but you can have a questioning spirit too. A question, how is this going to be? He says, the Lord will overshadow you. Oh, my soul magnifies you, Lord. And, and so he, he now what's God doing? He's magnifying the promise. And then he tells her, by the way, Elizabeth, who is barren and carrying a child six months and it's dead, she is with child also. And it's her cousin, and they two meet together. And, and, and Mary, because she believed the word, she spoke. And she said, this happened. And when she spoke, something started in Elizabeth. And the babe jumped in her womb. And she says, oh, my handmaiden who speaks. And, and then Elizabeth utters these words back to, to Mary. says, there will be a performance of those things that were spoken to you. Now, listen, God bearing witness by an angel, by reaffirming it, by life, and then back to, to Mary. And you know what the next words of Mary says? I magnify you, Lord. Oh, friends, it may look like nothing, but God is making his word more real to the believer. My mother, I, I had a friend in the world, and I didn't know it, but his mom worked with my mom for many years. And they worked together and you know, I, I and, and she knew mom was different, and this, this woman, and, and, you know, my friends knew she was different, and always would kind of make a remark or two. And then when it looked like things were going wrong, it says, do you still believe this, Jesus, that you talked about? And my mom answered, says, it's more sure than ever before. And the woman says, yeah. 
It's more sure than what I see. It's more sure than what's around me. It's God's word. And he'll come suddenly to his temple. He came at the time of Jesus. He came suddenly. John the Baptist, Mary, Elizabeth, and he's there. He's, he's coming. He's coming soon. Brother Bob, we sing that song. He's coming soon. He is coming soon. It was just a few months ago. I was just praying. Not praying, but just meditating. And I'm driving. And I'm just looking at the world. And this overwhelming thing comes. He's coming. He's coming. I don't want to be slack. Lord, magnify this promise to me. Let's stand together. I'm speaking on magnify different things. I wonder what would be an appropriate song. Psalms 34. <laughs> I sought the Lord and He answered me
read the history behind that psalm it's when David was taken captive by the Philistines and he was brought before the Philistine king and they said this is the guy that slew Goliath and David said I'm in trouble what am I going to do he, he, he didn't have a sword or anything so what did David do he made himself to be a madman he spit he did all kinds of things and the king looks and he said this is not the guy that's who Goliath. Get him out of here. And David said, and he wrote this song. Oh, taste and see the Lord is good. Oh, the Lord will deliver us in many different ways. He'll answer in many different ways. But his word is sure. His promises are sure. And Brother Branham comes down to the end. And one of the last messages he preaches out of the book of Job. And he said, I have heard of thee, but now I see thee. And the psalm here says, taste and see that the Lord is good. In, in other words, it becomes more tangible all the time. Amen. Well, I, I wanted to, Brother Andrew, I'm going to have you come up and close in prayer. I wanted to pray with all our children. I know a lot of them aren't here today, and I don't want to do this twice. But if you can include in your prayer those that are going to school and next week when everybody's here, I'll, I'll just try and make this a little more formal if I can. Amen. Do you, if I can just say this, do you love the Lord more? Do you love his word more than you ever have? I will say I can answer this truly. It could, you say, how do you know it? By the strength you have? No, I, I don't have the strength I used to. My recovery time isn't what... I used to be up two, three hours a night and just kick back. Like, it takes me a day or two to get, get over that now. But I tell you what, something burns in my heart that's more real than anything. Amen. Brother Andrew, just come on up. We're going to have you pray. Let's just bow our heads together. Heavenly Father, Lord, you are here even now, Lord. Just in the sweetness of this presence, Lord. Father, just to think of those words, Lord, that you will magnify thy word even above thy name, Lord. That is the name above all names, Lord Jesus. Father, how great, Lord, heavens and earth will pass away, but your word will never fail. Lord, that it's a great responsibility, Lord, that you've given on the shoulders of the Levites, Lord. We bear this word, Lord, that Father, as it come, and Paul wrote in Ephesians, that for the perfecting of the saints, there's a fivefold ministry. Lord Jesus, we need you more today than we ever have before, Lord. And Father, we ask, Lord, again, Lord, as you've come this morning, Lord, that you'd magnify it to our hearts. 
Lord, that you reaffirm the promise, Lord, and magnify it in us, Lord. That, Lord, as the Sister Hammermeister said, Lord, it's not just what was, Lord, but it's more real right now. Lord, and tomorrow may it be more real, Lord Jesus. As the trials come, may we count it all joy. Lord, that patience could have her perfect work in our lives, Lord. Father, that we'd be molded and shaped into your image, Lord. Lord, as we just cry, there's something within us, even so. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Lord, as we go forth from this place, and children have started school this last week, Lord, and they're beginning this week some. And Lord Jesus, we ask that you'd just come, Lord. Have the preeminence, Lord, in our lives, Lord. Lord, that you'd sanctify our homes, Lord Jesus, that as our children would go out, Lord, and as they would come back in, Father, may there be an atmosphere for them to step into, Lord. Lord Jesus, may there be a mother there and a father, Lord, to receive them, Lord Jesus, to pray with them, to wait with them before you. And Lord, that there could be a holy uh, atmosphere that would go with them into the schools, Lord, that you could be a hedge round about them, Father. Protect them, Lord, from the wiles of the enemy, Lord, that, Lord, that many of them don't have the Holy Ghost, but Lord Jesus, may the blood of Jesus Go before them, Father, as they walk through the hallways that Satan prowls. But, Lord, may you be their protection, their buckler, and their shield, Lord Jesus. Fathers, we commit them to you. Some are here under the sound of my voice. Some are not. But, Lord, you know where each one is at, Lord. You know what they're going through. You know their weaknesses and their struggles. Father, I pray where they're at, Lord, may you watch over them and keep them safe from everything the enemies targeted them with, Lord. Father, bring them back into your house again, Lord. As we sang that song, Lord, to magnify you. But Lord, may there be an incense in our lives, Lord, that would rise continually before you, Lord. May there not be a strange incense burned on the altars of these lives, Lord. But Father God, may you be glorified in our walks with you, Lord. We just commit ourselves to you. Bless Brother Ed for bringing the word today. Lord, I pray you'd strengthen him. Lord, bless his family, Lord Jesus, Sister Sandy, Brother Caleb, Brother Ethan, Lord, Sister Anna, Father. I pray you'd be with them, Lord Jesus. Watch over them. We commit each one to you now. Pray you go with us, Lord, as we go our ways. No service tonight, Lord. I pray you'd be in our presence. May we be mindful of you all day, Lord. May you be on our lips and in our minds and in our hearts, we pray. In Jesus Christ's name I ask it. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Brother Andrew. Brother John, you and I were sharing quotations, and there was one that you shared that I'm... <clears throat> You can use it again when you minister next time. Don't worry, but it was. Brother Branham would say, I said to the people, I'm getting to the spot. I need more faith. That's what I'm home for now is to get a new burst of faith. It seems like I got to the place. You, get, you apologize. Mr. Devil, would you please move over? Nothing, he said. Faith has got muscles. I'm a son of God. I'm commissioned of God. And, and he says, I'm not ashamed of him or his word or his commission or who we are. 
My only shame is that I'm a Branham. I'm an earth, that's my earthly birth. But as his servant, I'm not ashamed. Whether it's denominations, kings, or potentates, I'm ready to give an answer. God calls it, calls for it. That's in the message of shame. Amen. I, I say, oh God, let it come. Let it come. Well, I, I feel yesterday I, I was with my son. We were driving down the road. We had the windows down. And it was nice. And, and then he just put a song on, and I just started to get into the spirit of it. And I feel like I need to sing it now. Days of Elijah. And I was just talking about John. You know, these are the days. And, and you think about how glorious it was when John came when Moses came. But Brother Brandon would say, every type that is in the Bible is being fulfilled right now. We are the culmination. Oh, I, 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 I'm going to dig it. Lord willing, I've just been looking at it. I'll do a service on it one day. But, oh, these are the days. Let's sing this as one service today. So you're free to go. So I kept you till 20 after. I'll be another minute or two for us to sing this. Then you'll be dismissed. May God be with you. These are the days of Elijah.
song.